0: Christ is the Lamb of God. Christ is the forgiveness. He is the priest. He is the king, and he is forever our hope. Are you in? Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Can you believe it is 2022? Like, it is upon us. We are entered into the new year, and uh, man, may God get all the glory this year as we go after it with him. There is a world of hurt going on. There's a lot of heartache going on. There's a lot of struggle taking place. 2021 is behind us and we're beginning to enter into this next year. May we begin to just take a deep breath, hand it to him, and watch God begin to do a huge work in 2022. And all of God's people said... Man, huge deal and huge privilege for us to be able to have a God who's here with us in the middle of the struggle. Man, we are talking about Jesus Christ, the one who is greater. And so we're in a series here that's been called Greater, and three times over now we had the first series, and then the second series, now this third one as well, also with the mainline title, Greater. When we started out at the beginning, it was Greater, Jesus my God, as we launched into the book of Hebrews, and it talks all about Jesus stepping into this world, God with us, The exact imprint of God the Father, he is greater than all other creation, greater than angels, greater than any other thing, Jesus Christ. He is with us, he is in this world, Emmanuel, God with us. It was really a great setup as we were walking through that to get ready and get into the Christmas season, which we really celebrated in a huge way, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who is greater. Then after that, we went into greater Jesus, my high priest, Jesus, my high priest. And we're talking there just about Jesus standing in the gap for you and for me, that you in your struggle, that you in your sin have a God who's right here with you. It says that on behalf of men, he comes and brings us before the father. Jesus, our great high priest, there is no one like him. And as we talk through it, there were a bunch of details about how he's greater and in what ways he's greater. And, you know, the chapters there talked a little bit about some of the details of Old Testament and some of what went on with Israel. And we're going to see that pop up in the passage again today here. So just a little bit of a refresher and a reminder as we get going here on 2022, all right? Remember, we have Abraham. And Abraham is actually the father of the whole nation of Israel, right? So Abraham had these privileges of being able to see God begin to work. Abraham actually went out to war at one point. There was some battles going on against his family. He went out to war, God protecting. God gave him the provision and the, the win in the battle there. And on his way back, there was a priest that was just so clearly and obviously one who represented God. And doesn't really say how, but Abraham knew that this was a priest representing God the Father. And so he took of the, those things that he had won in the battle, he gave 10%, he tithed over to this priest, this priest. His priest's name was Melchizedek. And if you remember Melchizedek, it says he was a priest because of his greatness. And like, we don't know any of the details about Melchizedek, but because of his greatness, and we have Abraham giving over to him to be able to give to God the Father. It was a thank you offering. And Melchizedek the priest, the one that Abraham went to. Well, if you remember, under Abraham then, he ended up having multiple kids, right? And children along the way. He had Isaac, and then he had Jacob underneath that as a grandkid. And Jacob had 12 children, Those 12 kids became the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And so the 12 tribes of Israel grew out under those children there and under Abraham overall. One of the tribes was named Levi. And the tribe of Levi, that was actually one of the son's names, Levi. And so all those born under him were called the tribe of Levi. Levites were actually responsible to be then the priests. They were responsible to take care of interfacing between man and God, right? So they had a sweet privilege there. And in fact, some of them weren't priests. They were actually kind of serving in the temple or they managed the music or they were managing some of the leadership along the way. And, but a huge privilege to be able to represent God to man and man to God. The Levites had that responsibility, all right? So Abraham... And under him, the 12 tribes, the Levites being one of those tribes. And actually, if you look underneath the tribe of Levi, one of the guys who ended up being in there was Aaron. And we're going to see that name pop up today. Aaron was a Levite. In fact, Aaron, who's the brother of Moses, maybe you didn't know that, but Moses and Aaron, both Levites right? And so Moses, through his leadership, and then Aaron, as he was the high priest, he was the first high priest, and all of those priests under him were also then high priests or priests under the mode of Aaron, okay? So Abraham, 12 tribes, Levi, under the Levi, Aaron. Are we hearing some of the names? Just kind of refreshing. Christmas has been good, right? And then we're like, I don't know if I remember anything. So let's just make sure we bring it all back together. That's a little bit of what's going on from the Old Testament piece. So the question then really is begged, why do we even need the Old Testament? What's up with the law? How does all that work together with this Jesus? And that's what we're beginning to dive into today. As we dive into this new series, it's called Greater, Jesus, My Sacrifice, Greater, Jesus, my sacrifice, and so the author here of Hebrews beginning to open up and unfold as he says, look, the first thing we're going to need to deal with is what's up with the law in the Old Testament. Let's make sure we got that managed, and then what's so awesome about Christ in this new covenant, and then how does that all dovetail together into a sacrifice where Christ is a part of it? That's what we're going to be walking through, okay? Greater, everybody just say, he is greater, Jesus Christ, he is greater, and that's why we're here, to worship him with all we've got. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter seven, starting in verse 11, all right? Hebrews seven, starting in verse 11, and as we get going, the first point here is, come to Jesus, the only priest that can give the hope of eternal perfection. Come to Jesus, the only priest that can give the hope of eternal perfection. And uh, so as we start out here, he says, now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one just named after Aaron? We'll just hold right there. He starts out, he says, what if? right, everybody say If. He's not saying this is true, he's saying, can you imagine? He's saying, like hypothetically considering it, he's saying this isn't the truth, but he says, what if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood? Like what if the law from the Old Testament, what if all the stuff that the Old Testament priests kind of walked the Israelites through, what if all those details of requirements and rules What if that could make you perfect? Well, then why would we need anything else? He's like, why would we be moving on? The reality is, it does not make us perfect. The law does not usher in perfection. Everybody say, not. Super important that we understand that just by knowing the rule, it doesn't change our hearts. Let me say that again, just by knowing the rule, it doesn't change our hearts. If you've ever parented little ones, you know that as you establish the rule, and then you watch them wrestle with whether or not they want to follow. Knowing the rule doesn't just miraculously change a soul. Knowing the rule just lets them understand or have some clarity to it. I wrote it this way, Uh, rules measure, but they do not make. Rules measure, but they do not make. So he's talking about perfection as the goal, just so we're super clear. Rules can give some level of understanding of did we hit the mark or miss the mark, but that doesn't make perfect. And being able to usher usher in rule after rule after rule doesn't change the soul. It just helps bring clarity to the expectation. So as we look at the law, we've got to make sure we understand that the law, actually not bad in some sense, The law brings an understanding of expectation, and the law brings clarity. In fact, more than that, the law even brings uh, an understanding of forgiveness. If you look at the Old Testament law, you can grasp that God has a goodness to him, that God is calling for perfection, that where there's coming up short, there can be forgiveness. The law brought in a lot of good things, but what the law never did is make another person perfect, never that. And uh, just so we're super clear, the goal is perfection. That's the goal. It says, uh, now if perfection had been attainable, right? The goal is perfection. Now you might think that the goal is just tolerating sin, working with it a little bit, where I was wrong, asking for forgiveness, trying to enjoy life or whatever words you may wanna put to it. That is not why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came in order to usher in perfection. Did you know that? Like, if you think of it this way, Christ is the creator. He created the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. There was perfection there originally. And and yes, they were without sin. They had the ability to sin and that collapsed on them. But perfection and yet innocence. He created that and it was going on. And then these two human beings collapsed into sin. And the sin from there just destroyed everything falling apart. Horrible where it's all come. And that is due to sin and selfishness. And Christ stepping into this world is looking to usher that back in. He is walking us back to perfection. One degree of glory at a time. This side of heaven, a little bit at a time. And when we get walked into heaven, whether through passing away or by being raptured, whatever it is where you end up in heaven, boom. In that instant, perfection completely. That's Christ's goal. I designed it perfect and I'm bringing it back one step at a time. The work of Christ is not just managing sin. The work of Christ is removing sin. And all of God's people said, man, maybe we have to get that bigger. And all of God's people said, Amen. Christ is not just managing it. He is removing it. May God get all the glory, all right? So he says here, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? Remember, he's talking about Jesus here. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Jesus. This after the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek because of his greatness was a priest and we're told in Hebrews that Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. He is that priest because of his greatness in charge. Why would we need that? We need that because perfection isn't being achieved through the law, rules don't get it done. We need a God who does a miracle work. He's like, why would we have needed that rather than the one named after Aaron? Now remember, Aaron is one of those Levite priests, so under Abraham, the 12 tribes, Levi and Aaron underneath, why wouldn't it just be one of those under Aaron that's just a priest? Why not one of those human beings who was following the law? Why not them? Because that's not getting the change done. That's not getting the perfection done. The law is making clear the need. The law is making clear that there can be forgiveness. But Jesus Christ is removing the sin completely. That's God's plan. That's a huge work. He says, for when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. He's like, newsflash. The reason we're moving from old covenant to new covenant is because now we're taking on the full portion of the plan. Now we're going after perfection being achieved. One degree of glory at a time. The law ushers in the need. It shows that we come up short, but Christ will actually be healing us from our sin and taking us home to perfection where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more sin, no more brokenness inside me because God is doing a work. And all of God's people said, And he's like, so that means then if there's a new priest and there's a new method, then there must be a new law as well. He says, for the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe from which no one has served at the altar. He's talking about Jesus here. And he's like, for the one Jesus who is actually from another tribe, he's not from the tribe of Levi. So why are we calling him priest He's like, it's really important you understand this. Jesus called priest would be a violation of the law because he's not under the tribe of Levi. He's under the tribe of Judah. In fact, we're gonna see that come up here in just a second. He says, um, for the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has served at the altar. Nobody from the tribe of Judah ever became a priest And went over to the Levites and said, move over, dude. Like, I'm going to do it now. You scoot over. I'm a priest today. That's the way it's going. Give me your white robes. I'm going to do this with you. Never happened. Everybody say never. There was never a moment where somebody from the tribe of Judah became a priest. Now, all of us might be like, that's great, dude, but how does this apply to 2022? Like the reality is we're sitting in this world now and these things are all Old Testament truth and here's the deal. May we grasp and understand that God is working with the intricate little details and God has a plan. Everybody say God has a plan. And God has a plan and he's doing some things to tie it together. And the author of the book of Hebrews is saying to all those Jewish people, look, you're not just throwing away where it came from. It is being fulfilled in Christ and moving forward with purpose. God has a plan. Hang on and hang in there. He says, for Jesus, who belonged to another tribe from which no one has served at the altar, he then says, for it is evident... Like it's really obvious if you look at the bloodlines of Mary and you look at the family of Joseph and it's evident that our Lord, Jesus Christ, everybody say that's Jesus. It's evident that Jesus is actually our king in charge and it says that he was descended from Judah. It's evident that he came from Judah, which is a huge deal. Everybody in Israel would have known that if you're from the tribe of Judah, you're from the tribe that was told A king is going to come from there. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you did know that. But Judah was told that they were going to be the tribe where the kings came from. In fact, in uh, Genesis 49 verse 9, you may want to write it down. Genesis 49 verse 9, you actually have God sort of sharing a message with Judah, the one who was named Judah, where all the people after him would be the tribe of Judah. He's the son named Judah. And he was basically told, just so we're clear, Like you're going to have a king that comes after you. There's going to be one who reigns. There's going to be forever in your tribe a king who reigns beyond. Like this is a huge deal. They didn't really understand how it would come to bear, but kingship through Judah. In fact, David, King David, is from the tribe of Judah. And so being under Judah meant kingship made sense, but not priest. So what's going on? He says, it's evident that our Lord was descended from Judah and uh, the promise there of kingship. In fact, if you go to Revelation 5.5, and you don't have to turn there, but you may want to write it down, Revelation 5.5, this is a moment that's getting recorded. And it's probably some, like from the time the book of Hebrews is written, tens of years later, right? John is actually being taken into a vision and he's being showed some things by God, And as he's showing him some things that are going to be taking place, John gets walked into the very throne room of the King Almighty. And he ends up hearing and seeing that there is a problem on earth that needs to be resolved. The scroll needs to be unfolded. But nobody has the authority, the power, and the goodness to unfold it. And as he's being shown this vision, it's being made clear. There is no one great enough But Jesus Christ alone was found to be greater. And so this is what was said to John, Revelation 5.5. Weep no more. Like there was sorrow and gnashing of teeth. There was weeping in a big way because this needed scroll to be unfolded was not being able to be. They couldn't find him. And he said to John, weep no more. Behold. And when we see the word behold, we say... Check it out. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Everybody just say, that's Jesus. In Revelation 5.5, 5, he's like, here's the thunderous statement. Jesus Christ is from the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is from the house of David, meaning kingship through him. There is massive hope of Christ being in charge as king. God just being really meticulous with the details and letting you know, I'm not just throwing it all away. I got a plan and I'm doing something with it. Jesus Christ, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David. He is the fulfillment of it all. And in his greatness, he has the authority to now open the seals and open the scroll, which by the way, will be ushering in the end of this rebellion in this broken world and bringing us home to perfection. It will be one of the last steps before he says, welcome to my new world of perfection. God has a plan. And all of God's people said, dude, it's super important that we grasp that Jesus Christ rightly sits in the kingship tribe of Judah. So what's up with the priestly moment? And that's why he spent all the time talking about Melchizedek, He's not just one of these guys. The bloodline doesn't give him right to the priesthood. That's not it. The bloodline's giving him right to kingship. And his greatness is giving him right to the priesthood. He is both priest and king, Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of it all. And while the Old Testament showed there will be a king and showed there will be a priest... Christ is showing, that's right, and they're all fulfilled in me. I am priest. I am king. I am fulfillment. Through the greatness of Melchizedek, I have the authority and the power and the privilege. And through the line of Judah, I have the right as Messiah, king and priest. Jesus Christ, he says here at the end, and in connection with that tribe, he's talking about Judah, Moses said nothing about priests. He's like, let's make it clear, the law is done. You see a priest now right before you and he's not coming from the tribe of Levi. The law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Everybody say fulfilled. The law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He lived it 100% perfectly, no sin, no error. Rock solid in how he lived out the law fulfilled it completely, so that he could now go to the cross and die for you and rise again, and that life and death offering you forgiveness. Remember, the Old Testament showed a model of forgiveness, but Christ was going to usher in not just forgiveness, but now perfection one degree at a time. Huge deal that we grasp. He's like, just so I'm clear, you're beginning to see the Old Testament set aside and fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the new covenant coming in, the one who is priest and the one who is king and the one who will bring perfection. Praise be to God. Get ready. Man, please hear me. Jesus Christ, he says, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come. Come. Come to me, all of you who are brokenhearted, who are going through struggle, and I will give you rest. Jesus loves you. And he's promising you an amazing privilege of hope and life. But it is not just tolerating sin in this world. It is moving from here to a place where our hearts are transformed, where God is doing a miracle work and we are at home in heaven with him forever. Jesus Christ doing that work and he's saying to you, come. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens it, right? You have the privilege of being able to open the door and welcome him. Jesus Christ loves you. Are you in? He is promising eternity and perfection and glory. Are you in? You know, this past week, uh, I was getting prepped for kind of entering into the new year and began to kind of watch some details going on in the world and ended up seeing uh, the weather coming down. Like on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, it actually snowed a a little bit and I was like, I didn't know it was going to snow this day. And so I started checking the weather and I noticed that it was coming in hard on Saturday. They were like, heads up, it's coming in Saturday and there's going to be like 42 feet of snow, right? I don't know, that's what it felt like. They're like, it's like eight, 10 inches, maybe 12 inches of snow coming, get ready. And I'm like, oh my word, here we go. And they said, Saturday starting about one o'clock in the afternoon. That's pretty specific. So one o'clock, foot of snow, here we go. I'm like, we'll see, we'll see. And so we moved on, we go to Thursday and Thursday night, even into Friday, I waited until then and I checked the weather and it's like, okay, there's snow. Maybe it's not 12 inches or 10 Okay, we'll say five to eight now. Five to eight inches somewhere coming in the afternoon-ish. And I'm like, okay. So I went out, I took the gas, kind of poured it into the uh, snow thrower, got it started up. So we're prepped. If something happens, we're good. We're, We're ready to go now. Got it set. Now I get to Friday night and I'm checking it. And they're like, okay, maybe more like three to four inches. Maybe five, we'll see. Kind of like in that range, we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah, and by the way, maybe a little earlier, all right? And then I wake up the next morning and they're like, I mean like 8 a.m. earlier. Like a lot earlier. Like it's gonna start five hours earlier, here we go. But a few inches of snow now. Like, can I just make this clear? As we ended up getting out there and getting it snow-throwed out on Saturday night and got it all cleared away pretty easily and and, uh, praise God for all that. Can we just make this clear? God is not a weatherman. And all of God's people said, when he says it, that's it. When he says, this is how it works, that's how it works. When he says, I am your hope, man, he is our hope. When he says, I will usher you into perfection, count on it. Perfection is coming. Are you in? Jesus Christ has it in hand. Don't treat it like a weatherman. Eh, We'll see. Not like that. God, I'm in and I'm trusting you and I'm counting on you. May you get all the glory you know all too often we look in this world and we say what if yeah but what if right And we kind of consider all that's going on with God we can consider what is what is may we put our life in him so here's the simple question are you counting on Jesus Christ and leaning on him are you in he says come are you there Are you trusting in your God and letting him lead? May he get all the glory. Point number two. Trust in the only one that can truly offer us a hope to draw near to God. Trust in the only one that can truly offer us a hope to draw near to God. He says, this becomes even more evident. He's like, okay, look, I know I've been talking about this for a little bit and I'm just gonna keep going on it for a little. I need you to see even more proof that we're walking away from the old covenant and we're going to have a new covenant. That perfection is being ushered in. Proof, he says, when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Right, so again, this is coming from just this talk that he's had just a little bit before where he's talked about Jesus and his greatness and Melchizedek and his greatness and the two in likeness. And so Jesus, ushering in this new greatness, it says, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. Like he didn't become a priest because he's down over here in the Levite priesthood sharing the bloodline. Not that small. It's not ancestry that made sure he was priest. It's his greatness. And what I love here is it actually defines his greatness. It says that his greatness is actually defined as an indestructible life. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. There is life in him. There is hope in him. He died on the cross and rose again. We can count on him. Know this. Your God is saying, I have perfection in hand. Come to me. I love you. Count on me. Man, please hear me. Our job in coming to Jesus Christ is not to somehow live a life of tolerance around sin, not to continue to live in sin and say, ah, it's just a little bit here and there that's wrong, or well, whatever, it's just not that. He's beginning to transform us one degree at a time. Are you in with letting Jesus Christ have his way? Do you admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior? Do you admit not perfect do you believe that jesus christ is risen that there is unbelievable greatness and power in him he alone is the great high priest do you believe and are you willing to confess him as your lord take over i'm trusting in your promise amen and that's saved in a huge way he says for it is witnessed of him. And all that really means is, it's recorded in scripture. It's witnessed of him. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is a quote from Psalm 110, verse four. And we've actually seen it quoted several other times before in Hebrews here. It was in Hebrews 5, 6, and in Hebrews 7, 3, as this is being quoted. Why is this being quoted? Because Psalm 110 is a psalm that's all about the Messiah. And in the Old Testament recording, it's looking forward and saying, this is the greatness of the one who will be Messiah. This is what will be true of him. And in Psalm 110 verse 4, it says, you will be a priest forever. How long? Forever. Jesus Christ, priest forever. And king forever. All of this being fulfilled in him. It says, you will be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, not because of your blood lineage, but because of your greatness. You will be priest forever. Man, please hear me. When the Old Testament looks forward, and it talks about a king, and it talks about priest, and it talks about forgiveness, and it talks about a lamb, and the blood that's shed, and the hope that we can have, please hear me all of that shadow of Jesus Christ. He is the king, he is the priest. Behold the lamb of God, he is our sacrifice. He is our everything, he is our hope. The law is just looking forward to Christ and he is the fulfillment. So as we dive into this, as we look at the chapters in Hebrews that talk about the new covenant, know this. We are recognizing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament, he is our hope. Everybody just say hope, he is our hope. He says, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside, like we are now setting aside the Old Covenant. The Old Testament set aside, please hear me, that doesn't mean thrown away. That doesn't mean that it's not important, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with it, but what it does mean is it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ and done. And we are now moving to a new covenant and a new law where the priest is defined by how much he is like the greatness of the almighty Melchizedek. The priest is defined not by blood lineage, but by authority and power. And he's coming from the same place as the kingship. This is a whole new plan and it's ushering in perfection. We have probably heard so many stories about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins that we have gotten used to saying that Jesus is about forgiving sin. Yes, but more than forgiving, he is about removing sin. Jesus Christ does not manage sin. Jesus Christ removes sin. And all of God's people said, dude, one degree of glory at a time, one little bit at a time, as your heart is being drawn ever closer to Him. May God truly get all the praise. He says, Because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. He's like, This commandment was removed because of its weak- weakness and uselessness. Those are hard words. Like, it actually sounds pretty rough and judgmental, but then it shows you and tells you what's wrong with the law. It's weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. Here's what's wrong with the law. We're broken and rules don't fix us. Like, that's, that's it. That's what's wrong with the law. Maybe we could say it this way. We've used this analogy before. Like, when you go to Disney World and you're going to the ride and Mickey is right next to the ride like this, right? And if you measure up, You get to go on the ride, like if you're taller, but you know what happens? If you come over and Mickey's like this and you're down here, you don't magically grow to be that tall. That's not what happens. I mean, some kids would like it to be as they kind of stand on their tippy toes and try to make it work, right? But the reality is he's going like this and if we are under it, that's it. It's a measuring stick and that's all. The law is providing a measuring stick. It's helping to make clear we've all come up short. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all under the hand of Mickey, and none of us get made taller just by considering the hand of Mickey. Rules don't change us. Jesus Christ is what's needed there. Careful, I'll just say it this way. There's nothing wrong with the law. It's a set of rules that clearly reveal expectation, bring high clarity and understanding of forgiveness, and all of those things are true about God. Here is what it looks like with his greatness and his grandeur. Here is how forgiveness will work. But what doesn't come with the law is here's what will change your heart. The new covenant is needed for that. And Jesus Christ is our hope. And as he steps in, he's doing more than saying, here's the rules. That's not Jesus Christ. He's saying, yes, this is the rules. It helps to measure. Do you see the need for me? Now let me pour into your life. And Jesus Christ steps in. It says, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Through which we draw near to God. Notice it does not say, so there's a a better command, a better hope through which we perfect ourselves. Doesn't say that through which we draw near to God. Please hear me. The hope and the privilege of you being transformed is you closer to Jesus Christ forever. Him as king, him as priest, him over it all, our hope. And so I just wrote a few words to close it down. Is there hope of forgiveness in Jesus Christ? Yes, hope of forgiveness. But so much more. Is there a hope of perfection? Yes, but so much more. Is there a hope of relationship with God? Yes, and forever more. That's the hope in Jesus Christ, that sin is being dealt with, that forgiveness can be had, that perfection is being delivered in, and it's you with your God forever, drawing near to him. That really means setting up home with him blown away by the greatness of God. Hope in Jesus Christ. He is your life. He is your light. He is your hope. And maybe you've been wrestling with a ton of pain in this past year or even month. Maybe you've been wrestling with a ton of struggle. Maybe you know that there's things that need to go in your life. Please hear me. It's not about hearing a rule and trying to measure up. It's about saying, Lord God, I can't measure up. And you have it in hand. I believe that you are risen from the dead. There is life in Jesus Christ. Everybody say life. I believe there is life in Christ. And there is eternal perfection with you. I come to you. Humbly, Lord, may you get all the glory. And that's our privilege. May 2022 be the year where we say, okay, Lord, you have me. I will worship you for your life, and your light, and your hope. You are my king. Once again, the Old Testament, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, it brought clarity to the need But Jesus Christ is the absolute substance and he brings hope for forevermore. Perfection managed, forgiveness given. Christ is the lamb of God. Christ is the forgiveness. He is the priest. He is the king and he is forever our hope. Are you in with Jesus Christ? And may we launch this year in a massive way, all for his glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray.